0: Chapter 17 of Grace Harlowe's Sophomore Year at High School. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Christine Blashford. Grace Harlowe's Sophomore Year at High School by Jessie Graham Flower. Chapter 17, Burying the Hatchet. It was some days before Julia Crosby was able to return to school, but when she did put in an appearance, she lost no time in taking her class in hand and bringing about a much needed reform the part played by grace harlowe in julia's rescue had been related by her to various classmates who had visited her during her illness and grace found that the older girls were inclined to lionize her more than she cared to be she received praise enough to have completely turned her head had she not been too sensible to allow it to do so after holding a conference with julia the two girls sent out notices to their respective classes that a grand reunion of the two classes would take place on the next saturday afternoon at one o'clock at the old omnibus house providing the weather permitted a tax of twenty-five cents apiece was levied on the members of both classes please pay your money promptly to the treasurer of your class ended the notices if you wish to have plenty to eat "'Important rites and ceremonies will be observed. "'You will be sorry if you stay away, as an interesting programme is promised. "'Please keep this notice a secret. "'The field back of the Omnibus House is an ideal place for the burial,' Julia told Grace. "'It was there that the black monks of Asia held their revel and were unmasked by the freshmen. "'Besides, it's quiet and we shan't be disturbed.' "'Grace agreed with her, and the two girls outlined the proceedings with many a chuckle. "'The junior and sophomore classes had been requested to go directly to the Omnibus House.' "'It would be great to have both classes march out there, "'but we should have the whole of Oakdale marching with us "'before we arrived at the sacred spot,' observed Grace with a giggle. "'If we don't have a lot of freshmen to suppress, it will be surprising. "'I do hope the girls haven't told anyone,' Julia answered. "'By the way, we have a hatchet at home that will be just the thing to bury. "'It's more like a battle-axe than anything else, "'and looks formidable enough to represent the feeling "'that the juniors and sophomores are about to bury. "'Now, Grace, you must prepare a speech, "'for we ought to have representative remarks from both classes.' Then Anne Pearson must recite The Bridge of Sighs, after I have made it over to suit the occasion. We'll have to have some pallbearers. Three girls from each class will do. Julia planned rapidly and well. Grace listened attentively. The junior captain had remarkable energy. It was easy to see why Julia had always headed her class. Julia in turn was equally impressed with Grace's ability. A mutual admiration society bade fair to spring up between the two, so recently at Swords Point. On Saturday the weather left nothing to be desired it seemed like a day in late spring although it was in reality early march at one o'clock precisely the two classes with the exception of one member assembled julia crosby acting as master of ceremonies formed the classes in two lines and marched them to the middle of the field here to their complete mystification they saw a large hole about four feet in depth had been dug who on earth dug that hole and what is it for inquired a curious sophomore "'Hush!' said Julia Crosby reverently. "'That is a grave. Be patient. Curb your rising curiosity. Soon you shall know all. "'Assistant Master Harlowe, will you arrange the esteemed spectators so that the ceremony may proceed?' Grace stepped forward and solemnly requested the girls to form a double line on each side of the opening. The shorter girls were placed in the front rows. "'The sophomores will now sing their class song,' directed the Master of Ceremonies. When the sophomores had finished, the juniors applauded vigorously.' The juniors' song was next in order, and the sophomores graciously returned the applause. I will now request the worthy junior members, Olive Craig, Anne Green, and Elsie Todd, to advance. Honourable Assistant Master Harlow, will you name your trusted followers? Grace named Nora, Jessica, and Marian Barber, who came to her side with alacrity. During the brief space of time that we are obliged to absent ourselves, will every guest keep her roving eyes bent reverently on the grand and think about nothing. It is well to fittingly prepare for what is to come. With this, Julia marched her adherents down the field and around the corner of the omnibus house. She was followed by Grace and her band. There was a chorus of giggles from the chosen helpers that were sternly checked by Julia. Before their eyes stood a large, open pasteboard box lined with the colours of both classes in which reposed the Crosby hatchet, likened to a battle axe by Julia. Its handle was decorated with sophomore and junior ribbons and around the head was a wreath of immortelles. A disreputable-looking sheaf of wheat lay across the end of the box. There was a smothered laugh from Nora, whose quick brain had grasped the full significance of the thing. This is not an occasion for levity, reprimanded Grace sternly. Laughing will not be tolerated. Three twisted ribbon handles of sophomore colours and three of junior ornamented either side of the box. Each girl grasped a handle. We will proceed with the ceremony, directed Julia. Lift up the box. This was easier said than done. The handles were so close together that the girls hardly had room to step. The journey was finally accomplished without any further mishap than the sliding off of the wheat sheaf. This was hastily replaced by Jessica before its fall had been marked by the eagle eye of the Master of Ceremonies, who marched ahead with her assistant. When the box had been carefully deposited at one side of the grave, Julia Crosby took her place beside it, and, assuming a Daniel Webster attitude, began her address honoured juniors and sophomores we have met together today for a great and noble purpose we are about to take a step which will forever after be recorded among the doughty deeds of oakdale high school it will go down in high school history as the glorious inspiration of a master mind we are going to unfurl the banner of peace and bury the hatchet Since the early days of our class history, war, cruel war, has raged between the August bodies represented here today. On this very field, many moons ago, the gallant sophomores advanced upon the then very fresh freshmen, but retreated in wild confusion. It is therefore fitting that this should be the place chosen for the burial of all grudges, jealousies and unworthy emotions that formerly rent our breasts. Here, Julia paused to take breath. The girls cheered wildly. Julia bowed right and left, her hand over her heart. When the noise had subsided, she continued. She bewailed junior misdeeds and professed meek repentance. She dwelt upon the beauty of peace, and she begged her hearers henceforth to live with each other amicably. It was a capital address, delivered in a mock serious manner, that provoked mirth and did more toward establishing general good feeling than any other method she might have tried. In closing, she said, "'The hatchet is the symbol of war.' The wheat-sheaf represents our elderly grudge, but the immortals are the everlasting flowers of good will that spring from the planting of these two. We will now listen to a few remarks from the pride of the sophomore class, Assistant Master of Ceremonies Grace Harlow. Grace attempted to speak, but received an ovation that made her flush, and laughingly put her hands over her ears. When she was finally allowed to proceed, she delivered an oration as flowery as that of the Master of Ceremonies.' when the cries of approbation evoked by grace's oration had died away it was announced that the renowned elocutionist miss anne Pearson would recite a poem appropriate to the occasion anne accordingly recited the bridge of sighs done over by julia crosby and beginning take it up gingerly handle with care tis a relic of sophomore and junior warfare The intense feeling with which Anne rendered this touching effusion caused the Master of Ceremonies to sob audibly and lean so heavily upon her assistant for support that the dignified person almost pitched headfirst into the opening and was saved from an ignominious tumble by one of her attendants. This was too much for the others, who, forgetting the solemnity of their office, shrieked with mirth, in which the spectators were not slow to join. "'I think we had better wind up the ceremony,' said Julia with great dignity. "'These people will soon be beyond our control.' The attendants managed to straighten their faces long enough to assist in the concluding rites that were somewhat hastily performed, and the Master of Ceremonies and her assistants held an impromptu reception on the spot. ''Now,'' said Julia Crosby, ''we have done a good day's work for both classes. I only hope that no prying freshmen hear of this. They will be sure to come here and dig up what we have gone to such pains to bury. They have no respect for their superiors. However, you have all behaved yourselves with true high school spirit, and I wish to announce that you will find a spread awaiting you around the corner of the omnibus house.'' There was a general hurrah at this statement and the guests rushed off to the spot designated. Grace had held an earnest conference with old Jean and the result showed itself in the row of tables rudely constructed to fit the emergency. He it was who had dug the grave. He now sat on the steps waiting to build a fire over which Grace had planned to make coffee for the hungry girls whose appetites had been whetted by the fresh air. The money contributed by the classes had been used to good advantage by Grace and Julia and piles of tempting eatables gladdened the eyes of the guests. For the next half hour, feasting was in order. Juniors and sophomores shared cups, as the supply of these were limited. At the end of that time, the last crumb of food had disappeared, and the girls stood in groups or walked about the field, discussing the various features of school life. Someone proposed playing old-fashioned games, and soon Puss in the Corner, Pom Pom Pull Away and Prisoner's Goal were in full swing. This brings back one's grammar school days, doesn't it? said Nora to Grace. They were deep in a game of Prisoner's Goal and stood for a moment waiting for the enemy to move toward them. I haven't had such a good wholesale romp for ages, answered Grace, and was off like the wind to intercept Eva Allen as she endeavoured to make a wide detour of their goal. The hours slipped by on wings. The start home was made about five o'clock. The juniors and sophomores trooped back to Oakdale arm in arm, singing school songs and making the Welkin ring with their joyous laughter. The people of Oakdale smiled at the procession of happy girls and wondered what particular celebration was in order. When the centre of town was reached, the party broke up with a great deal of laughing and chattering, the girls going their separate ways in the best of spirits. I've had a perfectly fine time, declared Grace, as she said goodbye to her chums, and how glad I am that we are all friends again. She quite forgot when she made that statement that Miriam Nesbit had not honoured the reunion with her presence. End of chapter 17